Hello and welcome to season three of Who You Don't See, the podcast celebrating the people behind the stars. From choreographers and songwriters to makeup artists and hairstylists. If they're part of a celebrity team, we are all about getting to know them. I'll be your host, Megan Lawton, and this season we're taking you back to the 90s and noughties. A time of low-rise jeans, bodycon dresses and huge winged eyeliner. I am so, so excited to introduce this week's guest, Randall Slavin, a Hollywood photographer. Since picking up a camera 22 years ago, Randall has captured Hollywood's finest. As an aspiring actor himself, he started doing headshots for fellow up-and-coming actors, actors who went on to become household names. We're talking Charlize Theron, Leonardo DiCaprio, Orlando Bloom and Reese Witherspoon. Headshots aside, in recent years he's become known for his work at house parties. In a pre-Instagram world, it was Randall who documented Hollywood nights out. He now shoots editorials working with the likes of Ariana Grande, Caitlyn Jenner and Eva Longoria. In our chat, we talk about social media and how it's the demise of wild Hollywood parties, how he was intimidated when shooting Bill Clinton and how we're ditching extreme airbrushing for more quote-unquote authentic looks. Enjoy. What time is it with you? It's midday. Midday in LA. Oh, it's noon. It's noon. Noon in LA. Well, thank you, Randall, for doing this. Really, really happy to have you on. So we're speaking to you. It's relevant that you're in LA. You're a California boy. You grew up wanting that Hollywood dream, wanting to be an actor, but that's not the reason we're talking to you today. No, no, it is not the reason you're talking to me today. No one wants to talk to me about that because there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> It's a very different podcast. But I'm intrigued. So you started out wanting to be an actor. Mm -hmm. You picked up a camera. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I think LA is interesting. I think a lot of people, especially when they're younger, they gravitate to be an actor because that's what you see. You, you go to the movies or you watch TV and that's what you see. And you once you get in the business, maybe you filter down into where you're meant to be. You know, like I have a lot of friends who start out as actors, but they end up being writers or they end up being uh, directors or even casting directors or, you know, but they all started out in that same thing, you know, sort of like I did. I mean, um, I did a drama degree and look at me now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think that um, everyone starts out wanting that sort of basic I want to be up there kind of thing. Um, but how I got into photography, I, um, I was, you know, struggling as an actor and not really able to make a living. I was working a bunch of dead end jobs. And, um, one of the jobs I had, which I was very excited about cause I really liked this job was I was, I got a job as a, uh, pumping gas at a gas station in Hollywood. And, um, Right across from the gas station was a, uh, a actor's headshot place. And there was a bunch of people coming in and out of the headshot place that looked a lot cooler than the people at my gas station. So when I was, you know, a young kid needing headshots, so I went over there and talked to the uh, owner of the place and ended up getting my pictures done there. And um, I got along really well with the owner. And um, he was like, have you ever thought of being a photographer? And I said, no. He's like, well, I need to hire somebody, and do you want to be my sort of 
apprentice. He had a bunch of photographers that worked under him shooting headshots that he sort of trained. And I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds a lot better than Pumma Gas. So I, he did, he trained me and I worked for him for a little bit and then he fired me and then, um, yeah, I know, but I got fired from all my crappy jobs. So, um, are we allowed to ask why? <laughs> what was that? Are we allowed to ask why you were fired? From that job or yeah, other jobs? Just that job for now. Oh, well, because he had this idea that he would need to hire me to take care of some uh, added business, but the added the idea was uh, faulty, and there was no added business. So once it became evident that uh, the reason I was hired wasn't working, he's like, "I got to let you go." He goes, "You're the best guy I got working here, but you're the last one I hired." So, so you were released. You weren't fired. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Semantics. I was laid off. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, I remember I was really upset because I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to go back to delivering pizzas or pumping gas or one of these other crappy jobs I had. So then I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, I can just buy a camera and I'll do it myself. You know, I'll just I can do it myself. There's no magic formula. And he's taught me what I need to know. So that's what I did. I ended up buying a sort of a used camera and started shooting actors headshots on my own and still wanted to be an actor. I wasn't ever going to be a photographer, but it was a nice way to make a living. And um, the more I did it and I did it for years and years and it grew and grew into something that I was like, Oh wait, this is maybe where I should focus because this is, this is, um, it's giving me everything that, acting wasn't giving me like it was giving me money and creativity and a little bit of status and I was good at it and so then I had this moment uh where I was just realized or I had this true epiphany where I realized that that was where I wanted to focus and uh that was that and that was 22 years ago I'd say incredible do you remember the first actor celebrity that you photographed yeah, I think the first picture that I ever took that like of a famous person, I was doing a movie when I was an actor and I had a camera on set with me and I just started shooting and I had this picture of this actor, Aiden Quinn, who I was a big fan of, who I did a movie with and I took a picture of him. So he was probably my very first and then shortly after that, I took a picture of uh, Kevin Spacey on set of a movie he was doing. Okay. So those are my first two like celebrity portraits I ever took was Aiden Quinn and, and uh, Kevin. And set the scene yeah. of L.A. 22 years ago, because I know a lot has changed since then. And I've looked at some of your amazing work online, the headshots, the also more sort of like informal photo shoots to house parties, Playboy mansions. Describe what Hollywood was saying at the time. Was it a less polished scene, a bit more rock and roll? You know, it was it was. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I was younger or if it was true, but it was a lot more fun in the sense that it was a pre-internet world and it was a pre-cell phone world. So people were going out and connecting more. And um, when you were out, you actually had to like hang out with people and talk to people and look at people in the eyes as opposed to looking at phones and sharing stuff on phones. And so it was, it was a lot more... Um, you had to actually 
engage with people. Like you, you, you had to engage with people to find out where people were going at night or what people were doing. You had to actually like call them or visit them or actually like see people. An introvert's you know, nightmare. Um, well, it was, yes, an introvert's nightmare. But if you're an extrovert like myself, it was heaven, you know, um, but it was, it was a lot more, uh, 20 years ago, I'd say LA was a lot more, um, wild because there was not a fear of things getting leaked onto the internet or people taking pictures of you when they shouldn't, you know, cause no one did that. No one had a high def camera in their pocket with video capabilities. So, and the ability to much, instantly upload that as well. Cause that changes correct. the dynamics, right? Changes everything. You know, I used to take my little point and shoot camera with me everywhere. And there was never any fear that like, what are you going to do with that picture? Because there's nothing to do with that picture. So no one had any, like, I think nowadays, if you're going out and you're running around in certain circles, snapping a bunch of pictures, People are scared of where those pictures are going to end up. But when I was doing it, there was nowhere for them to end up. So it was sort of a safe thing. Now, you know, 20 plus years later, I've put them out in a book or something like that. But back when I took them, there was no fear of uh, them being used improperly or anything like that, which gave it a lot of freedom and stuff. Yeah, and therefore you could be your true self and maybe celebrities could actually engage in celebrity activities and sort of the a, the A-list world without fear of being cancelled on the internet or whatever. And also we, you'd go out and like out in nightclubs and stuff, the crowd was much more um, A-list because people weren't scared about things or, you know, it was, just a, it was just a little different. But I also think that everybody thinks their era of their, you know, 20s or so is the best. Yeah, you can you romanticize know, it, that, can't we? I mean, but do I think there was a um, a definite benefit to living in a pre-internet social world? Oh, of course. I don't think that's uh, up for debate. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If we yeah. think about the people you photographed in the early days, sort of Leonardo DiCaprio's, Orlando Bloom's, Jennifer Aniston's, mm -hmm. you captured people on the verge of stardom. Looking back, was it easy to tell who had it and who didn't have it? I thought all my friends had it. And, you know, I mean, a lot of them did end up being super successful and everything like that. So I, I but, you know, like there were certain people you saw and you just knew they were going to be okay. You know, you just knew certain people were fine. You know, the, and that was evident the minute you saw them. You and know, did that even um, work? Because I know in recent years, you uh, there's one of your pictures you did you took of Rihanna just after Ponder Replay had been released. <laughs> even yeah, then, yeah. does that translate to years later? You kind of still know when someone's got it and someone's going places. You know, I I, I don't think I anyone would have predicted what happened to her, but she because she was very different when I shot her. You know, she was very new. I mean, and. Uh, quiet and sort of sheepish, which I don't think anyone would call her quiet and sheepish now, you know? Um, and she was very sweet to me. And, um, 
But she, I, but I do remember when I'd shot her, I didn't really know who she was. It was a job and I, you know, I picked up her record just to want to hear the song that people were talking about. Um, but I remember thinking, I was like, my God, that girl is beautiful. I mean, she's, there's some, but you know, like, and there was something about her, I guess that responded to, I was like, you know, you know, uh, I, but I don't think anyone would have predicted what's sort of what's happened to her. I mean, it's crazy. I ask a lot of my guests, because I guess the nature of the people you work with, they're high profile people. I ask a lot of my guests if they get nervous, but I guess if you were kind of raised, born and raised in Hollywood, you mingled in those circles from the get go, does Starstruck, does getting Starstruck ever factor in what you do? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can say in like in two answers, in two answers. Like I remember when I first started shooting, and I first had to shoot somebody I didn't know. That was a big sort of thing where I got really nervous because I'd only shot like friends of mine who were actors or things like that. But when I actually got hired for a job for the first time to show up and shoot someone who was an established person who was a complete stranger to me, that was very new to me. And it was very like uh, uncomfortable at first. But, um, I mean, it still rears its head. Like, you know, a few years ago I had to shoot um, um, President Clinton, you know. And that that was, yeah, I, I, it's not a great picture. You know, I, I definitely, it's not. It's not. Um, no one would debate that. Um, it's mediocre at best. Because I did, I did get, let the moment sort of take over and I did not sort of own it. And it's, it's a big regret of mine because, um, if I was just a little more present and a little less overwhelmed by everything, the picture would be better. And I did get caught up in the sort of moment of it. And also he was very late. So I just had like two hours of me sitting there with more of the pressure and the anticipation and we were in a conference room and he was next door so I could hear him and I could sort of see him every once in a while, you know, in the hallway and stuff. And so it was just more of like anxiety building up and building up. And I sort of let that take over. And so it does rear its head sometimes. So what you say is a I'd bad like to... photo. Sorry, what, what's a bad photo to somebody who hasn't got a particularly photographic eye? I mean, what's what's... In general, or what about that one specifically? Like, yeah, let's general, use that one specifically. That one specifically, it's just boring. The only thing that's in, the only thing that's interesting about it is the subject. There's nothing interesting about the actual picture. There's nothing interesting about what's how it's lit, or there's, it's just the only thing people like about it is because it's President Clinton. That's it. It's there's nothing. You know, if the picture was a picture of my uh, gardener, no one would be like, oh, that's a great fucking picture. They'd be like, that's a picture of Javier, you know. <laughs> no shade um, to Javier. <laughs> <laughs> no shade, you know. And I and I look at it now, when I do come across the photo, I was like, oh, if I just taken my light and moved it two feet that way, the picture would have been beautiful. The picture would have been incredible. But every day's a school day. We're learning every day. <laughs> and that was it. And, and hopefully someday I'll get to shoot him again. 
and I will make a much better photo. I'm manifesting that for you. Please do, please do. I would appreciate that. If we flip it, so this is talking about you being nervous, do you ever find mm-hmm. that the artists you're working with are nervous? Because it's quite a vulnerable position to be in front of a camera. I don't sure. know, the, the, sure. the nature of the shots you take often, headshots, they're intimates, they're sort of personal, mm-hmm. up close. Well, you know, the one thing I've learned in the, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photo shoots I've done, nobody likes getting their picture taken. So once you understand that, you don't take it personally when people are uncomfortable or they, and you have to be sort of attuned to that. Most people that are successful, they don't like having their picture taken, don't like photo shoots, but they understand that it's a part of the job, that it's a necessary part of the job. It's marketing, so they're isn't good. it? Yeah, they're good at it. That doesn't mean they like it, but they're fucking good at it. And... um because it's a huge part of their job. Um, so, um, did I lose the question? What was the question again? No, I guess, like, is there an art of making people feel less nervous? You say you realize people don't. Well, you know, I, I, look, I think a big chunk of what I do and other people who shoot the kind of subjects I shoot, a big part of our job, and this is the thing that people don't realize when they're starting out or trying to, or they want to do this kind of work is a big part of our job is being able to connect with people quickly and also being able to sort of have an immediate, however bullshitty and fake it might be, but to have an immediate rapport with somebody to have an immediate sort of connection. And um, that's a huge part of the job is to be able to sit down with somebody who you don't know and who might have a completely different life and upbringing and outlook and viewpoint on the world as you do, but you have to find some something to connect with about that person. Um, and I think I've been pretty good with that because I do like people and I love meeting new people and I like connecting with new people. Um, so I definitely think that's helped me as a photographer. Um, but I also think, you know, like Annie Leibovitz, who I'm a huge, huge fan of, you know, she gets asked that question a lot, you know, how do you make people relax, you know, when they, and she's like, I don't, that's not my job. If they're going to come nervous and uptight, then I'm going to shoot them nervous and uptight. Yeah. Is it your job to document that? (laughs) Right. Right. She's like, it's not my job to make everyone relaxed and happy. Which I always like that because that is the sort of thing of like, oh, we got to make people relax and we got to make them happy and we got to make them comfortable. It's like, no, you don't. That doesn't mean it's a, just because it might be their favorite picture of them taken doesn't mean it's a good picture. An interesting picture doesn't necessarily mean it's a, the best picture. Well, that's so true. One of my girls, Han, is t- takes headshots of us sometimes, so she practices on us, and she'll love a photo of me laughing, and I'm like, I hate that photo. Like, I look literally look horrendous in that photo, and she's like, no, you don't. You look great. Like, that's how I see but it you. Might be the, yeah, but it might be the most interesting photo. But here's the other thing. It's like, like what you just said there. The picture... I mean, I got a lot of theories on all this shit, Megan. But, like, <laughs> the, picture, the picture is not about you. It's not a picture of you. 
It's not a it's your friend is not taking a picture of you, Megan. She's taking a picture of what she thinks of you. So the picture has to be true to her, not you. So when she says, I love that picture, that's because that's how she sees you and that's how she wants to portray you. It might not be how you want to be portrayed, but that's not what it is. It's her picture. It's not your picture. In a world where beauty standards are higher, have you noticed over the years there's even more pressure as a photographer when capturing headshots, promo shots, to get that manicured look? Perhaps there's more of an emphasis on Photoshop or, I don't know, if I look back at your earliest photos, people were so natural, the people you took were so natural, things weren't super mm -hmm. orchestrated and forced. Is that shifting mm -hmm. a bit because of maybe the pressures of social well, media? Well, I think it's shifted, and now I think in a, I think in a bit it's shifting back. I think it's shifting back a bit to people wanting things a little rougher and a little more organic and a little less processed, which is why people are really loving switching back to film as opposed to digital photography. I'm not. Fuck film. <laughs> but, but I think there's a love for people because it feels authentic. It feels real. And it feels imperfect. And people love that. So I do think there's a, you see it with, a, you see it with the fall of Victoria's Secret and the rise of things like Fenty or um, some of the others that are being a little less slick and a little more, I hate to use the word inclusive, but a little more realistic with how people look. And I think it was Aerie who did that whole campaign or they've been doing it for years where they like, we don't do any retouching on our lingerie ads. So you see women with stretch marks and a little bit of, you know, dimpling of skin. And, and so I do think there's a shift back to a little more of a, cause you could think of like in the, maybe let's say early 2000s, some of the very popular photographers like uh, David LaChapelle or, um, Marcus Klinko and, and Johnny, who were very big in that period. They did, you might know them, they did the famous, uh, iconic Beyonce uh, Crazy in Love album cover. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's super slick and it's super polished and it's super worked over and very unnatural looking. Almost like I guess that was representative pop music at the time, like auto tune was more of a thing. Yes, I agree. And I think, so I think people have, people have come back from that high point of, uh, processing. And I think, you know, people are coming back to a little more of a naturalistic look, but everyone wants to be fucking Photoshopped. Everybody wants to be Photoshopped. They just don't want to be Photoshopped to an extreme where they don't look human. We want the subtle know, and the don't want that anymore. What? You want subtle tweaks. Everyone wants tweaks. Trust me. Everybody wants tweaks. And do you sometimes think that's mad that like you're photographing some of the most beautiful women in the world sometimes and even they don't want to? They, I mean, maybe maybe you capture no. them to make them look the most beautiful and actually then they come into their studio no, and they're I, not. I mean, look, I, I'm not a documentarian. The pic, my pictures aren't true. My pictures aren't real life. I mean, so I don't have any sort of... If I were a documentarian, then of course, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, my pictures aren't real. They're, they're fake reality or, uh, what did I say? Um, um, my pictures are big lies masquerading as little truths 
you know, like I think that people think things are real and stuff, but not, none of it's real. You were also selling yeah. Hollywood, right? You're selling this yeah. idea of celebrity. If you think sure. about your 22 year career, what stands out as a a tricky, stressful, bad day at work, whether that's location wise, whether that's working with divas, I don't know, give us an idea of a bad day. If you come home from a bad day at work, why has it been so bad? Look, I mean, oh man, there's been some days. Um, usually, you know, I will say this, and of all the people I've shot, let's say uh, less than ideal subjects, let's say less than uh, people I didn't like or whatever, it's been incredibly small, maybe on one less than one hand out of all the people I've worked with that I would be like, were unpleasant. So I've, I've, I don't get that a lot. People think that celebrities and stuff like that are like that, but it's been very few. What usually makes a bad shoot or a bad day is uh, when you get thrown something unexpectedly that they did not tell you about or like, or if there's a, um, a, a location's really shitty. I'll, I'll give you, I'll, here, I'll tell you a little anecdote. I'll tell you a little anecdote. And this, this is a prime example of, of what can make a day really badly, go badly. Um, I was doing a portrait of Eddie Vedder, uh, lead singer of Pearl Jam, who I was very keyed up and I was very excited to shoot Ed. And um, we had a simple sort of portrait set up in mind, very simple. Um, and he was, he was in LA on tour and he's like, okay, we can do it in my hotel. I was like, great. So I go to the hotel, it's right on Santa Monica in the beach and I'm all ready to do my little simple portrait. They're like, you've got 30 minutes or an hour or something like that with Ed. Uh, so I get there and he goes, I got this idea that I want to do. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, I want to take my guitar and I want to go out into the ocean. I want to shoot out into the ocean. I want to, because he loves surfing and he loves music, obviously. So he's like, I want to take my guitar into the water. And I was like, and it was high noon. So the light was terrible, but he, he wants to do it. And what are you going to do? Not do it? So you're like, all right, okay. So we walk out to the ocean and uh, he goes into the water. And But I wasn't, I didn't have a long lens because I, this was sort of a surprise. So I didn't have a long lens. So I had to go out into the water too. And I'm desperately trying to keep my camera dry, which isn't really happening. My camera's getting soaked and I'm trying to like, take this picture of him and the light's terrible because the sun's right above him and he's in the water and uh, my camera's literally soaked, dripping. So I'm thinking, okay, I've ruined my camera. I'm getting terrible photos. Um, and then I keep thinking, I really need to get this portrait because all these are going to be terrible. So... And I say, Ed, we should go back in. We should go back in. Because I'm thinking, well, I really got to get those pictures. And he's like, no, I want to go further. So he goes even further out into the ocean. I follow him out there. And, and then I finally was like, all right, we got it. We got it. So we come back in. And then his tour manager's like, we got to go. The bus is waiting for you. We got to go. And I'm like, I got to take this portrait. Because that's the reason I'm here. So I end up 
we're in the hallway of the hotel, and I grab my camera case, and I put it on the ground, and I, I say, Ed, sit there really quickly. And he sits there, and I instead of setting up the light, I take the light, I turn it on, and I just hand it to my assistant. I say, hold this. And I just start shooting, and um, I had like 20 frames, and then the tour manager's like, we got to go. And he zipped off, and... Um, that that's what makes a day not ideal when you get thrown these things that you're not prepared for. And it was a shame because I didn't get to really enjoy the moment. But Swimming the with Eddie. <laughs> you know, um, the portrait ended up being beautiful and the stuff in the water, uh, we got one really, really great picture. Everything else was absolute garbage and unusable. So it ended up working out okay, but the day itself was not uh ideal it was very stressful and and um, and my camera was fine too so good what a- kind of factors mean you can't get the shot is it sometimes it sounds awful but like maybe you're taking pictures you've taken pictures of incredible beautiful people some days mm-hmm. you might just not have a very photogenic day like sometimes is it dependent yeah. on the person you're sure. taking pictures of i mean it can depend on a lot of things like i think there's like there's different factors that make a photo shoot you know there's your subject there's your location there's your stylist and your hair and makeup people. Usually, like if you can get, the amount of times I've done a photo shoot where all five of those things were perfect, it's very rare. And that's what makes a picture incredible. Not everything you shoot, you're going to be loving and putting in your website and your portfolio. You know, and you just have to realize that once you shoot a lot, those are just the odds. And some things just aren't going to work. Some people you don't click with. And sometimes you just have off days. You know, you just, it just doesn't work. Or your idea that you had, the subject doesn't connect with. You know, if I do a photo shoot, and I think there's one or two really strong photos then that's you're that's onto a, a winner yeah is yeah, it possible yeah. to pick a person who over the years is always incredible always immaculate to shoot always so photogenic yeah i mean everyone's photogenic Every, no one's un, un, unphotogenic but when i say you know? that question to you out of everyone you've shot over the years who just always gets the shot who just dazzles in front of a camera I mean, you know, Charlize Theron's very good in front of a camera, obviously. You know, she knows what she's doing. She comes from a modeling background, so we've shot a bunch, and she always delivers. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, all, the big, all the big people, they know what they're doing, and they know it's part of the job, so they all deliver. They all step up, and, you know, like I've shot some people more than I've shot other people, and um, they always fucking deliver. You know, it's it's it's... It's part of the job for them, you know. So, um, trying to think. Is there a tip that all of us lay people can take that would help us deliver? Is it a chin-up situation? Is it a, like a smile? Um, no, I, I, I think, um, you know, Robert Kappa, the great photographer, Robert Kappa has a quote where he says, if your pictures aren't good enough, you're not close enough. So that is good advice. Get, oh, if, get closer. Okay. You know, I think the only thing that makes people unphotogenic is if they're nervous. So if you can get people not to, that's the difference between photogenic and not photogenic people. They're not really unphotogenic. They're just nervous. And True. That, radiate, that That's what radiates, you know. 
because I'm sure you've seen incredibly beautiful people, but you're like, oh, you're so much prettier in person. This picture doesn't do you justice. It's because they're probably nervous in front of that camera. You're right. So when you're behind the lens, you're the kind of person who's like, give me more, incredible, you look insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that shit. All those, all those awful photographer cliches. Yeah, of course. <laughs> do you? Know? you Which you... is funny. When I first started shooting, I get so self-conscious about it, you know, about all those, you know, photographer cliches. But... You know, they, they're, they're cliches because they work and you got to do it. And you got to tell that person how you feel about what they're doing, whether it's good or bad. You know, and that's another thing that you, you sort of learn to sort of stand up for yourself as a photographer and be able to say, no, that's not what I want. You know, and that takes a bit of a, uh, a confidence that gets earned I would say yeah and courage and finding your voice in those situations how you want to communicate that without coming across like an arsehole you know (laughs) yeah because exactly because I used to start and you know when I started you would think of like oh the hair people I'm not going to criticize them because they know what they're doing they're professional hair people I'm not a fucking hair person or I'm not going to tell that stylist that I don't like that because they're professional and that's what they do and I don't I don't know anything about Whereas after a while, you realize, you know what, I do have an opinion in this because my name's going on it. So if I don't like that hairstyle or if I don't like that dress, I'm, oh, it's okay for me to say I don't like it or change it. And, you know, and it took me a while to have that um, confidence to do that. Do you have a, in your 22-year catalogue of photos, is there a photo that stands out to you like, bam, that was me at my best. I love that shot. Um, I mean, look, I have favorite pictures. Like, I have favorite pictures um, for various reasons. Yeah, I mean, there's certain, there's, yeah, there's, you know, when you have those pictures that everything comes together, like your location's great, your stylist is great, your subject's great, you're good, and your crew is good, you know, there's a few of those where you're like, oh, that really... Yeah, there's... A, there's. It's funny. There's a photo that I really love um, that of uh, Ben Stiller when we were in Haiti together. Um that I really love, uh, that really, for some reason, just really connects with me, him and a bunch of kids at a school that he was opening. Um, that, mo- that photo is probably one of my all-time favorites. There's also a picture, like, there's, there's a photo I have of Michael J. Fox, who I worshipped growing up as a kid, and uh, him, his dog Gus, who was a very important thing in his life. And, and I love this picture because there's just such a obvious love and familiarity between Gus and Michael in this picture. And there's those pictures really mean a lot to me. Um, But a lot of those pictures that end up being my favorites are my favorites because of the experience as opposed to the actual photo. It's, it's a lot of times it's about the day or getting to, spend time with somebody as a, and the pictures just to me represents that day, you know? 
do you kind of still sometimes pinch yourself about the bonkersness of your world, even though you've been doing this for 20 years? Oh, sure. That you're hanging out yeah. with A-listers and your job is just to make them look even more pretty, even fitter. More A-listy? More A-listy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not jaded enough to um, not appreciate the incredible opportunities I've had and the incredible people I've met and experiences I've had just because of my camera. Um, I, that isn't lost on me. I, 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 I have not lost that wonder, you know, it still amazes me, you know? Um, and I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate, uh, to have the experiences I've had. And it's only because of being able to work this camera and because of that guy wanting me to learn how to shoot headshots. I know, right place, right time, right? We always end the podcast by asking our guests for a piece of advice, something, some nugget of wisdom you've picked up over the years that you sometimes occasionally revisit in your head. Do you have anything? Yes, I do. Um, I would say... Be the dumbest person on your set. Surround yourself with people who know more than you do. Hire a crew who knows more about lighting than you do. Um, because it's only going to make your work better and make you look better. I love that. If you surround yourself with people who know more than you. And I think a lot of photographers get caught up in their ego and wanting to be the boss and wanting to be the man on set. And you're still the boss. You're still in charge. But the people on my crew are guys who went to school for photography. I didn't. And they studied lighting and they know lighting. And um, it's the best advice I could give is be the dumbest person on your set. And I also think that's applicable to whether you're in an office scenario. Like, yeah, you can be the boss, but you're going to be an enlightened one if you surround yourself by clever people. Right. That would be my advice. A solid advice. Randall, thank you so, so much for chatting. Honestly, I've loved chatting with you. Love to take your pictures online. Um, yeah, you've been a star. Thank you, Megan. A massive thanks to Randall for chatting. If you want to keep up with his photography, you can head to his Insta, at Randall Slavin. If you're still listening, I also want to say a big thanks to you too. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a review, maybe send this episode to a mate and subscribe to Who You Don't See on your usual podcast app. You can also pay us a visit next week when we'll be chatting to another behind the scenes guest. We'll see you then.